everybody. So glad to be with you again. Want to take up tithes and offerings, reminding you that Psalm 35, 27 says that we're to shout for joy and be glad. We favor his righteous cause. We continually say, let the Lord be magnified. He takes pleasure in our prosperity and our tongues speak of his righteousness in his praise all the day long. We're so thankful for 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6, where he says that he, he those that sow bountifully, will reap bountifully, that will have all sufficiency, able to abound to every good work, and he loves a cheerful giver. We, we are cheerful givers because we realize that no one ever went broke from giving. You'll never go broke from giving. Money that you sow into the kingdom of God may leave your hand, but it'll never come your, leave your life. And again, it'll do what it says in Matthew six thirty eight. And give, and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Running over will men give into your bosom. When you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. I'm telling you, it just works. I've been working it for years. I'm here to tell you that it's always worked for me. Amen. Praise God. Well, I'm going to get you to turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 14. I want to talk to you about Caleb's birthday party. Okay. Caleb. For those of you that know don't know Caleb, you need to you need to check out his life. You need to check him and Joshua were buddies that walked through the wilderness together for over forty years to get to get a hold of the promises of God. <laughs> Come on now. They walked by themselves for forty years until the unbelievers died off so that they could get their inheritance, right? So here we are. Anyway, here we are in uh, I should check the time here, make sure I don't overshoot the runway. Okay. Uh, we'll turn to Joshua 14 and the begin of verse 6. And this is where they're finally dividing up the land. Forty years earlier, they had spied out. Well, maybe let's go back there. Let's go back to, let's go back to Genesis chapter, Genesis chapter 13. And we'll see how they spied out the land. Now, Israel had come up right up to the border of the promised land, and Moses sent in 12 spies. The 12 spies came back and said, yep, it's exactly the way that God said it would be. Verse 27 of chapter 13 of the book of Numbers. I'll give you a second to get there. Okay, you're there. Numbers 13, verse 27 says this. And they told him and said, we came into the land where you sent us. Yep. It's exactly what God said it was. It flows with milk and honey. Nevertheless, we saw a strong people there that dwelt in the land. Let me just say this. When you embrace inferiority, you will always speak defeat. Let me just say that again. When you embrace inferiority, you're in fear, inferiority. When you think that you're not big enough to handle the problem, you'll always embrace defeat. Why? Because how you see yourself is where you find yourself. Come on. <laughs> Come on. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? What, 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 what are you thinking right now that's putting limits on your life? Okay. He said, we saw it. Nevertheless, the people are strong that dwell in the land 
and the cities are walled all the way to the sky. And the children of Anak are there and the Amalekites in, in the south and the Hittites and the Jezebites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and the coast of Jordan. And Caleb, <laughs> Caleb stilled all the people before Moses and said, let us go up and once and possess it for we are well able to overcome it. Now this is 40 years when we get to Numbers chapter, when we get over into Numbers chapter 14, or Joshua rather, chapter 14, we'll see that years and years went by and he held on to his dream. In the middle of unbelief, he held on to his dream and it's powerful. But let's hear what they say here. We're well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, we're not able. See, these are false prophets and pastors. <laughs> these were, no, these were, these were leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel. And they were weak. You see, God had gotten them out of Egypt, out of slavery, but he couldn't get the slavery out of them. They still had that slave mentality, didn't see themselves as anything worthwhile. We're not able to go up against those people. They're stronger than we are. And they brought, and, and this is what unbelief is to God. Matter of fact, the Bible says all unbelief is sin. It says they brought up an evil report in the land that they had searched out the children of Israel saying this land that we've gone up to search it. It's full of, it, it, it eats up the inhabitants thereof and all the people there are of great stature. <laughs> See, but again, it's not, about, it's, it's never about how big your problems are. It's how big is your God? How, how do you see, how do you see your God? Like, you know, when I read about David, 17 years old in Samuel 17, going down and facing a nine foot tall giant that, that was a warrior from his youth. And David was a shepherd boy. When I see that, I, I see a, a boy that saw a big God, not a big giant. Amen. Come on. They're of great stature. Verse 33. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak. And look at this. And we were grasshoppers in our own sight. And so were we in their sight. Well, I know they didn't go up and say, hey, do you think I'm a grasshopper? It's how they saw themselves. And, and here's, here's, here's a takeaway from this. I'm talking about Caleb's birthday. But here's a, just a little side note here. Until you kill the grasshopper, you'll never kill the giant. Until you kill that inferiority in your life. Until you begin to see yourself according to Romans 8, 14. Come on. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. When you begin to see yourself, 1 John 5, 4, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. When you begin to see yourself, greater is he that is in me than he that's in my circumstances. When you begin to see yourself, whosoever, say this mountain, this circumstance, be removed and cast in the sea and don't, don't in your heart believe those things you, that you say will come to pass. You'll have whatever you say. Whosoever can have whatsoever, it's based on what you're believing and what you're saying. What you're saying. You've got to be talking this out. You've got to be talking your faith. So anyway, they saw themselves as grasshoppers. But let's just look at chapter 14 for a second. Verse 6, and Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Zephunah, which searched out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke unto all the, con the company of the children of Israel, saying, the land that we pass through to search is exceeding good land. 
exceeding great and precious promises that we might partake of his divine nature, escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. <laughs> if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give us a land that overflows with milk and honey. Don't die outside your destiny. <laughs> Don't let fear keep you from your dreams. Only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear the people. Look at this. For these people are bread for us. Come on. They looked at their circum. They looked at the giants as food. They looked at troubles as something to overcome. They looked at the challenge and said, let's get into this and watch God move on our behalf. Come on. Okay. So now we'll go back to Joshua chapter 14. The children of Judah. Now, now, as soon as you read Judah, remember the word praise. Whenever you read about Judah, think about praisers. That's how they did their warfare. Come on, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Send Judah first and the battle shall be won. Go out and praise the Lord. Attack your enemy with a guitar. You think about it. David played a lyre and the Bible says the demons left. Believe that when you play your guitar, when you play your drums, when you play your musical instrument and you praise the Lord. If this is your musical instrument, believe that when you begin to praise him, you run the devil off. Why? Because it's true. Submit yourself unto God, resist the devil, and he will what? Flee from you. Amen. Come on. So praise promotes possession. Come on. <laughs> and so the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Zebunah, the Kenzite, said unto him, You know the thing that the Lord and Moses, that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me back in Kadesh Barnea. Remember this. Forty years old I was when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea, Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought the word again that was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren went up and made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord. Not half-heartedly. The thing I like about Caleb now, when you read, Caleb means dog. And so, you know, if you read about the Syrophoenician woman that came to Jesus looking for healing for her daughter, the Lord said, I don't take the children's bread and feed it on the dogs. That's, that was a, a, a slur against her. But when you read about Caleb in the, in the book of Joshua and the book of Numbers, it simply, Caleb simply means like, like, like a dog. Like when I had my daughter's dog at the house for a couple of months, wherever I would go in the house, I could hear his toenails clicking behind me. He would just follow me from one room to another. And wherever I would sit down, he'd lay on my feet. And when I read about Caleb here, this is what I see. He's following, he's following his master and he doesn't have any questions. And he doesn't need any solutions. He's just going to follow the Lord. Think about it and try this at home. <laughs> no, try this at home. Don't question God. Just follow God. Don't question him. Come on. <laughs> Come on. So he said, I wholly followed the Lord. I'm loyal. I'm loyal to God. I don't have to ask him where we're going. 
I'm just going to follow him. I don't have any questions that he needs to answer for me. I'm walking wholly with my Lord. And Moses swore in that day, saying, Surely the land that your feet have trodden upon be thine for an inheritance and your children's forever. Because you look at this, because you have wholly followed the Lord. I, and, and here it is. I, I called it his birthday because he's been waiting all these years, waiting all these years, faithfully waiting. Just like Abraham, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. He waited 45 years and wholly followed the Lord. He waited 45 years and he wholly followed the Lord. Come on, he just didn't talk the talk, he walked the walk. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke unto Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And here I am now, 85 years old. And yet I am as strong today. Now, when I think about somebody 85, sometimes I think about somebody hugging a hot water bottle when they go to bed. Somebody is just uh, hanging on, waiting to pass over to the other side. But something about this guy, his dream... His, his dream kept him alive and kept him strong. He didn't, you know, like you think about it now, 45 years, him and Joshua had to wait for everybody else, 3 million people to die off because they didn't believe God. And he kept on and he kept his dream alive. And his dream was Mount Hermon, 3,000 feet above sea level, a nice, beautiful mountain with springs and rivers and brooks and, and giants. I said in Giants, he was, the, he was dreaming of the day that he would go and defeat those enemies. It kind of changes the way that we look at Christians today. You know, Lord, just rapture me, take me home, get me out of here. No, 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 this is time to rise up. This is your finest hour. Difficulties are your food. They're your bread. Problems are things that you eat and digest and get stronger with. Come on, this is what he's saying here. <laughs> and now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive these 45 years. In verse 11, I am as strong today as I was that day when Moses sent me. This is a human under the old or the first covenant. He had something that kept him alive. He had something, some passion that kept him going. He kept the vision in front of him. He kept getting up every day and thinking, bless God, just like the woman with the issue of blood in Mark 5, 25. If I can just but touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be healed. If I could just, if I could just, and just push your way through the crowd, forget all the unbelievers that you're surrounded by and go for it all. He said, I'm as strong today as when Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war. Come on, for war? Do I have to fight? What do you think Ephesians chapter 6 is all about? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Stand after having all done, stand. Stand, therefore, with your, with your loin belt of truth in place. 
God's word hidden in your heart that you've not sinned against him, having on a breastplate of righteousness. He, God, he made him to be sin for us and knew no sin that I'd wear the breastplate of righteousness. Helmet of my salvation. The weapons of my warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, every high thought, lofty thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I bring my thought life into captivity today, into the obedience of the word and ready to avenge all disobedience when my obedience is fulfilled. Heaven, my feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and how lovely on the mountains are the feet of them that bring good news. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder, the soul of spirit, the joints and the marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Come on, come on, you got all that. You got all that. And above all, Above all else, pick up the shield of faith whereby you're able to quench every fiery dart that the wicked one sends your way. Come on, that's what faith is for. Protection. Amen. So, so he said, I'm as strong today as I was then. Verse 12, I love it. I love it. And you, you need to declare this too. That's why God's that's why God's God said in, in John fifteen seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can demand a tale, A I T O. Demand what you will and it shall be done unto you. You're not demanding it from God. He already, according to Ephesians one three, blessed you with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. He's saying, Take your place and say, Give me my mountain. I've been waiting. All this time, it's my birthday. Give me my mountain. I hope you're getting this at home. Now, therefore, give me this mountain where the Lord spoke unto me that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakims were there and the cities are great and fenced. It shall be that the Lord will give it to me. I'll drive them out. I'll drive them out just as the Lord has said. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. Thanks be to God who always gives our, us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are steadfast. We are unmovable. We're abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. Come on. You're more than a conqueror through him who loved you. More than a conqueror. He said, I'll be able to drive them out in verse 12, verse 13. And Joshua blessed him and gave Caleb, the son of Zephaniah, Hebron for an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Zephaniah and the Kenzanite from this day. Oh, look again. He's going to mention it again because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. So there's a there's a couple of takeaways from here. First of all, he's a praiser. And second of all, he wholly follows the Lord. Uh, you got time for one more? Okay, let's go to, uh, let's, we'll look at Luke 5 and maybe Mark 2. Yeah. Um, Luke 5, 17. And while you're there, you can find Mark chapter 2 as well. I think it's in Mark chapter 2. Yeah, and now that you find Luke 5, we'll start in Mark 2. Okay. I'll treat you just like you're here with me. 
uh, chapter 2 and verse 1. And, and again, he entered into Capernaum or Capernaum. Caper is village and Nahum, of course, village of Nahum. After some days, and it was noised abroad that he was in his house. And straight away, many, many people came together. Now, now, if you ever go to Israel, they'll take you to what was supposedly Jesus' house in Capernaum. Let me just tell you, it wasn't. Because when you read the number of people that were in Jesus' house, that little foundation that they have marked as Jesus' house is a total, complete impossibility. It's even like when you when they show movies of Jesus, they show, show a few people around. Th th there were multitudes. I mean, when he fed 5,000 that day, that was 5,000 men, plus the women and children. There was probably 30,000 people there that had followed him for three days. He was always surrounded by crowds of people. He had to go off into the desert by himself to get some prayer time, right? So don't picture, you know, a room with half a dozen people in it and Jesus teaching. It's not correct. He taught his disciples privately, yes, but mostly he taught. And even when you think about the disciples, you know, read Luke chapter 9 and chapter 10. You know, he sends them out. And the next thing you know, he's sending out 70 more. Like, you know, like he had a crowd and he, he, he fed them all and took care of them as well. They left, matter of fact, Peter, James, and John, for example, left lucrative uh, fishing businesses. Matthew was a tax collector, and they followed him uh, for three and a half years. So he wasn't poor Jesus either. Just a little side note for you. And straight away, many were gathered. Look, it says he entered into Capernaum. It was noised abroad that he was in the house. By the way, Capernaum, the village of Nahum, Nahum also means to comfort, to console. It means to repent. So it's a pretty cool place that Jesus set up his headquarters. And it says straight away, there are much people gathered together. Many were gathered together in so much as there was not room to receive them. No, not even so much as at the door of the house. And there he preached the gospel unto them. So you need to picture a big crowd there. Okay, now we'll go to Luke's account of it. Beginning in Luke, is, Luke 5 is so awesome. You'd like to preach the whole chapter. But let's pick it up in verse 17. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was preaching that there were, listen to this. No, no, no. We need to paint a picture for you. We are going to have a room full of unbelief. Total unbelief. Just like we have in this nation today. It's national unbelief. In the churches, we're trying hard to believe what the, the early church lived in signs and wonders and miracles. And now when we see something happen, we're astonished by it. God is about, he said, God gave me the word, global glory is coming. And just as Noah's waters covered the sea, he said, my glory shall cover the earth. Global glory. We are going to see signs, wonders, and miracles, but he needs to prepare you for it. He needs you to expect it, or you're just going to sit and miss it. You don't need to sit and miss it. You need to enter into this. And you need to do what these five faith-filled people, these five fearless people that we're going to read about here, this needs to be you and I. We need to become this. So it says there were Pharisees and doctors of divinity, doctors of the law. They had all their credentials and they were sitting by. when they, they, And look at this. They came out of every town in Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. So the, a picture, a big, big place filled with doctors of the law and Pharisees. 
It's like a, an unbelievers pastors conference. They're all there together, believing nothing. And there's some believers outside that can't get in because the room is filled with unbelief. But look at this. The last part of verse 17 and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Heal them all. Where was that power coming from? Well, if you read Mark's gospel, chapter two, it says he preached the word to them. When you hear the word come, come on, that's Romans one. What, what Paul said, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek, to everyone that believeth. So the, when you hear the word, the power of God is present to heal you. When you hear the word of God, the power of God is present to heal you. So it says the power of the Lord was present to heal them. <laughs> and behold, men brought in a bed, a paralyzed man. Okay, so this guy's paralyzed. And let me tell you, he had to operate in some kind of faith because paralyzed people don't want to be touched, don't want to be moved, certainly don't want to be bothered with. Do like you did with the guy at the gate. Beautiful. Just take me and set me at the corner so I can beg. No, this guy had faith. And his four friends had faith. And they said, let's get you, let's get you to the feet of Jesus. We could just get you to the feet of Jesus. We heard about him. You can get healed and you can get whole. So he said, okay, pick me up and let's get out of here. <laughs> and the men brought the man taken in palsy and they sought to bring him in. They couldn't get him in because the room was full of unbelief. Matter of fact, most people couldn't even get a miracle to happen in that place because, because when Jesus went to his hometown in Nazareth, my Bible says that he couldn't do any mighty works there because of their corporate unbelief. Their, the whole town, the whole town lived in a system of unbelief and Jesus could, it says he healed a few sick folks of minor ailments. He could, the power of God wouldn't flow because the room was fitting. And, oh, I don't believe this. I don't believe that. I'm telling you, we need to stop being make believers and become believers in the word of God. Either this word is, is real or check it out and go live in the world. If this ain't real, go downtown. I mean, come on. Why play this? Why like be like the guy at the gate, beautiful sitting outside for 40 years, getting people to dress you up and bring you to the gate of the church and never enter in. Get you all dressed up on a Sunday morning, get you to a church service and you never enter in. You're just there at the gate all the time until finally somebody breaks through, use the power of the name of Jesus and get you up leaping and dancing and praising God. Wake up. <laughs> the power of God was present to heal them. The men brought the man on, on, a, on a stretcher. They sought to get him in, but the room was full of unbelief. And when they couldn't find a way to bring him in because of the multitude, they said, hey, w listen, 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 we, we got an idea. What we're going to do is we're going to climb up on the roof and lower down some ropes, and we're going to hoist you up, up onto the roof, and, and then we're going to lower you down in the front of Jesus. Now, this guy, this guy's just laying there. He doesn't... <laughs> So again, I want, you, I want you to see the faith that these guys are operating in. They couldn't find a way in that they might bring them into the multitude. So they went up on the rooftop and tore the roof up. They tore the roof off a man's house to get their friend to Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto you, man, your sins be forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees all said, praise God, a healing is taking place. No, no, no. no look at this verse 21. 
And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this that speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus perceived their thoughts and answered and said, Why do you reason in your hearts? He knew what they were thinking. Is it easier to say your sins be forgiven you or rise up and walk? I want to tell you, it's easier for rise up and walk. For rise up and walk, he had to take stripes on his back. He had to be whipped and beaten. But to forgive your sin, to forgive my sin, he had to die for you. If he died for you, read Romans chapter 28 or, uh, and read, you know, read Romans 8, Romans 8, 28 through the end of the chapter and find your place in there and find out that if he was willing to die for you, how much more would he freely give you all things that pertain to life and godliness? Come on. Praise the Lord. Well, God bless you and, and have yourself a great week. Amen. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.